Welcome to the Rock Fight, where we speak our truth, slay sacred cows, and sometimes agree to disagree. This is an outdoor podcast that aims for the head. It's Wednesday, November 29th, and nearly two weeks ago, the Bureau of Economic Analysis released a report that measures the impact of outdoor recreation in the United States, the summary of which is that the cumulative value of going outside here in the U.S. of A. is $1.1 trillion. The news of the monetary size of the outdoors was celebrated by political action organizations, trade groups of the activities mentioned in the report, as well as the typical players and outdoor media. But what's actually in this report? Because the definition of outdoor as defined by the Bureau of Economic Analysis is vast and includes categories you are certainly not expecting to be in this thing. And as you might expect, most outdoor media outlets have been happy to report the big trillion dollar number and just move on. Fortunately, independent journalist and regular here on The Rock Fight, Kyle Frost, took the time to dig into the report and shed some light on what it all means for his newsletter and website, hereandthere.club. And Kyle's back here on The Rock Fight today to talk about what's in this groundbreaking report, the impact it will surely have on the outdoor industry and community, as well as the lackluster response from the outdoor media. So let's get into it. I'm Colin True. Welcome back to The Rock Fight, where today it's the big trillion dollar report and what it all means with Kyle Frost. All right, so we're back today with Kyle Frost to talk about the Bureau of Economic Analysis and their recently released report stating that outdoor recreation in the United States is now worth over a trillion dollars. Kyle publishes a regular outdoor industry and community-focused column on his website hereandthere.club and did a breakdown of the BEA's report last week. Welcome back, Kyle. Uh, what else What else is happening on over there, on, on here and there right now? Well, I'll have a, a little overview of kind of recent developments with UTMB coming out this week. And my last week has mostly been spent uh, pouring over data tables and wrangling numbers in uh, Excel to get anything meaningful out of this report. So <laughs> that's what I've been doing. Yeah, these... These larger outdoor conversations, I feel, are gaining momentum. Um, some of it from the conversations you and I have been having. I've been getting a lot of feedback, which I want to get to maybe at the end of our conversation on, like, the backcountry situation and REI. So we're starting with the report itself. Can you just kind of walk us through what's in the report and, like, why is it important? Yeah. So first, I think it's pretty important to define what exactly the report is. And outdoor recreation is what the uh, – Bureau of Economic Analysis calls a satellite account, which means that it's not an industry in and of itself, but rather a breakdown and little pieces of outdoor recreation related activity from a bunch of the other standard standardized industries of which there's like 70 or something like that. You know, there, a lot of people like to say like, oh, 1.1 trillion, that's more than oil and gas, that's more than these other industries, which is true, but the outdoor recreation satellite account also contains uh, economic impact from those industries that is related to outdoor recreation. So uh, any like oil and gas on public lands like goes into this report. Uh, like a good example is uh, if... I had 20 industries, each had $5 worth of GDP, and I took a dollar from each of those that was uh, outdoor recreation related. So now I can say that the outdoor industry has you know, $20 of economic impact. That's big. It is fair to say that it's big. It is fair to say that it's bigger than any of those individual $5. It, it's maybe not like a truly fair comparison. Second, there's a 
ton of different ways to slice and dice this data. Uh, the 1.1 trillion number is uh, outdoor recreation gross output by activity in 2022 dollars. Uh, so that's basically the biggest number you're going to get. Uh, it does not take into account inflation. There is uh, another table for all of these related statistics that benchmarks uh, any kind of growth to 2017 dollars that does account for inflation. Uh, and then point three, it, it, <laughs> this whole thing is so complicated. And point three is that uh, outdoor recreation as defined by the BEA is probably much broader than most people think on the surface. So I, I think most outdoor enthusiasts tend to see outdoor recreation in a pretty narrow purview that's related to the activities that they participate in or the ones that they see regularly. So, you know, hiking, biking, mountain biking, camping, uh, you know, visits to national parks, uh, those sort of things. But in reality, recreation is defined in this report contains things like golf, pickleball. It contains, you know, the driving to uh, national parks. The gas is part of it. Uh, you know, it could be any number of things. Um, and I, I think that kind of maybe ties into kind of the next point here is like, what are the, what were the top, you know, activities in the report? Well, I, I mean, I, I want to table for a second, the sort of complexity of the report. Cause I feel like broadly speaking, that's to me, the most interesting takeaway is how everyone is sort of using this and de deploying it publicly and the messaging around it. But to kind of focus on it a little bit deeper. Yeah. So I mean, this is mo most of the stuff we talk about in this show is definitely humor power, human powered sports. So let's talk about that for a second. You know, where, where does that show up? Like athletics, you know, the things that we talk about mostly on the show, where, where does that turn up in this report? I mean, as far as like overall impact and the totem pole, I guess they're middling. Um, <laughs> you know, the, well, that's the, it folks. We're shutting her down. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> the, the top like conventional, the, the category, the, overarching category is called conventional outdoor recreation. Um, and the top contributors in order are RVing, uh, boating, uh, motorcycling, uh, ATV, uh, hunting and shooting, snow activities, and equestrian. Uh, so that rounds out the top five. There's a pretty big decline from RVing and boating down to the rest of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then kind of the things that we would consider as like our personal core outdoor recreation, uh, it's kind of sits at like number six or seven, depending on which way you're slicing the data. Um, basically even with equestrian and we're cycling kind of come in on all, on all that cycling is a little bit lower than that. That's crazy to me. Cause I just think about the breadth. Of, I mean, everybody has a bike. It just feels like, I mean, even people who don't do the stuff that we like to do typically own a bike. Right. So I guess it just, it's funny to think about that. That's even lower on the list, but we're, but really, and what's the disparity between the economic impact of like RVing at number one and the economic impact of hiking, camping, climbing at number six, it's a pretty big gap, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think if you're using the, the 1.1 trillion, I think <laughs> that climbing and hiking is about 10 billion and the, and RVing is around 70 billion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
boating, fishing, somewhere around just above sixty billion. So what, when, you're, um, when people are all holier than thou about like I'm, a, I go up into the mountains and don't like to drive my car and camp in backcountry camp. It's like, well, you know, maybe we should maybe we should pay a little homage to the people who are truly driving the category for us. Yeah, I mean, and when you like stop to think about it, it makes a lot of sense, right? Like, you know, I you buy a you know, a hundred and fifty thousand dollar <laughs> rebel, yeah. you know, a, a rebel camper van, uh, which is going to go in an RV category or a giant, you know, one that you'll see in you know an RV park. Like that single purchase is going to account for way more chained economic activity than right. me buying a tent and you know camping in the backcountry for free or you know for a twenty dollar permit or something like that. Right. Um, and that goes back into like how the report is compiled as well, because that RV that got bought or that boat that got bought mm-hmm. also accounts for the materials that it took to create the parts, the people that built the RV, the, the people that got employed to build the RV, the lot that it sat on to get sold. And then, you know, those people are spending more money in gas um, over time. They're they're spending RVers are spending longer in places than your you know your general weekend road tripper and right. so that's contributing more money. Those campgrounds are more expensive. Um, so there's like a whole chain of, of activity that you know explains why the things like RVs and boats and ATVs have a, a kind of an outsized impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, if we're talking, if we want to talk about the 1.1 trillion number, y- you got to acknowledge where it's coming from. So, I kind of want to j- jump to the, like the so what of this thing, right? Because the, the impact is already kind of being felt in terms of like the public statements you have. You know, the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable claiming that this is anybody sort of on our side of the fence is making is claiming that this is a win for conservation, which mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not. But it's also so much more than just about a conservation effort or proof that people want more wilderness or anything like that. But every little sort of faction of the outdoors experience is sort of laying claim to this report in a way that kind of suits them. So as you look at this, like what what will happen sort of across outdoor recreation as a result of this report from, from your perspective? I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that it does is it provides like a singular place to point to and say that outdoor recreation is having a massive impact, right? Whatever your definition of that happens to be, it's a massive impact. And, you know, if you do look at the, you know, the climbing, hiking, camping, you know, that grew, uh, pretty significantly over the last couple of years, um, regardless if it as a smaller piece of the pie compared to some of these other things. And I think, you know, this has been running since 2016 or 2017. Um, it because it is coming from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, it is a widely respected and the methodologies out there and all that, you know, this is stuff that all industries use to measure different kinds of things. Uh, it, it makes it much easier to sell the idea of like outdoor recreation offices or uh, more investment in, you know, managing that type of activity uh, mm-hmm. in various states, whether that be con- through conservation um, or conversations across industries uh, and at the state level. So the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable is saying that the release of this report is definitely going to help America's Outdoor Recreation Act, which is a bipartisan supported 
initiative to, you know, in, in, again, increase, you know, outdoor recreation opportunities across the country. And again, that's a probably a massive understatement the way I just put that. But I would imagine then having something like this in their back pocket, right, is going to to kind of point to like, yeah, look, trillion dollars worth of, uh, of our economy goes to this stuff. Let's pass this. Yeah. Thing, right. And, and the outdoor recreation roundtable, I think, is a great example of like cross industry collaboration for uh, a lot of this kind of movement at the state and federal level um, compared to what I would consider like a slightly more niche organization like the Out- Outdoor Industry Association. Yeah. The Outdoor Rec Roundtable brings together all of the versions of the Outdoor Industry Association yeah. for everything, for, for RVs, for boating, for sport fishing, for hunting. And they're kind of acting like this kind of lobbying, conversation, facilitating uh, organization to really push uh, for growth and change and and management uh at a broader level across the country which is which is great yeah i think we need to have a conversation about the name the outdoor industry association as someone who grew up thinking like oh this is the outdoor industry and it's only the stuff that we like not even considering all of these other stuff it's a little like ah you didn't really think this through when you sort of laid claim to the the moniker of the outdoors the outdoor industry association yeah i mean it's pretty funny when you you break the whole thing down and and see that (laughs) There's am- amusement parks are in here, yeah. you know, like festivals, concerts, and like anything that's outside, you know, the beach, just in general, like anything at the beach uh, falls into this category. Um, it it's pretty wild the the breadth of activity that's subsumed in the whole thing. So when you do look at some of these things, though, and you think about what might be riding on the back of it, things like the you know. Um proliferation of more access or conservation or or the AORA, the, the act that we just discussed. Is there something disingenuous by not, by them not sort of a, addressing head on things like oil and gas are contributors to this? You know, because I do, you know, we're kind of a sensitive group over here, right? And I think somebody might see that or hear about that down the road and kind of question the whole thing, even if it's just like, oh, it's just kind of, of course, that's part of it. I'm not sure if I would certainly definitely call it disingenuous. Uh, like I said, oil and gas is is part of this. It is not a massive percentage of this by any means. Like re- retail is basically the one of like the largest group of um, you know in industry category. I, I do think that a lot of outlets don't get past the summary that the BEA puts out, and therefore act- the writers have no idea what's actually in the report. So. I think that a lot of that is is more a function of someone spending half an hour to read the summary and say, "Hey, here are the top states, and it's one trillion, and here are the top activities, and and be done." Rather than opening up the actual data tables and being like, "Wow, there's a lot of stuff in here." Like, <laughs> right. um, you know, I was a little critical of uh, I think it was a Gear Junkie article um, that was decently long but just completely wrong like it was just they I, I, like that's being harsh but they were just they kept referring to things as growth instead of like change which are two two different things like a growth percentage is different than this is x and this is y and there were just a, a lot of references to things like that that were crossing different data tables and referring to things that aren't what they are as in the data. Right. And I do think that that's hard. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't have the time to 
go through these things. And I mean, I spent forever in Excel just to like figure out what the rates of change were and figure out what the, you know, top change percentages were from 2019 to 2020 or mm-hmm. 2021 to 2022, because it's just a bunch of numbers. Like they're not giving you the nice, concise, like, here's what, you know, you know, hunting grew 25%. like, no, I got to go in there and figure out <laughs> the Excel formulas and that kind of stuff. It's complicated. I at least personally have kind of gone into these the last couple of years uh, because I find it really interesting. And uh, I think it's useful to try and surface the interesting tidbits that uh, you're not going to get in a 200 word summary about the industry being a trillion dollars. Well, and look, I- like we talked about, like this is all I'm sure being poured over behind the scenes. People who are in Washington and do all these things and have have a real this is their job, right? Is to kind of you know take this information and parlay it into something that benefits their 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 share their stakeholders who are out there RVing or skiing or whatever it is that they do. I, but I you know not to get negative about it, but I just like yeah I I think it is an, it's a nuanced conversation. But in my research anyway, the most in depth breakdown of this report was your article, and not to say like that that's a, a that's a good thing. I'm glad that you did it, but nobody else even really seemed to attempt, you know, like, and there was just sort of a, I'm interested in knowing this because I think that when I do look at the sort of the, even in just the industry side, if you're just a person who likes to go outside, maybe you don't care. But I think about these conversations we're having and the, the ongoing debate about, you know, trade shows and the role of all these things. And it's like, Right. But now, you know, we've talked to I think you and I chatted about last week about the economic conferences and all the things that are happening on the state level. And I want to talk a little bit about that here, too. But it's just like these details really matter and it kind of can shape, you know, how we do things going forward. It seems like everybody seems very happy to kind of keep the status quo of what the outdoors is, at least on the human powered side of things. I mean, I yes and no. I, I, I think organizations like the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable, they I mean, go far into depth on this stuff. They're, I mean, they're working on legislation. They're sure. working with everybody. They're diving into this stuff. I, I think the difference comes when most of the outlets don't have any incentive to challenge people's preconceptions about what the industry is or how they currently think about the industry. And like, that's what you see in outside and gear junkie and, you know, even the outdoor Outdoor Industry Association literally published like uh, 180 words or something a, right. about this whole report. Isn't that a and, problem though? Isn't that kind of who we rely on for our news in this in this space? Yeah, I mean, I I think it, it's why I started a newsletter that was like, hey, like let's get past the surface level of these things, and the industry deserves to have voices that cause you to challenge how you think about certain things rather than providing you with just enough stuff to like reshare mm-hmm. and be like, Oh, one, 1.1 trillion is a big number. And <laughs> great. And I've now stopped thinking about it. Right. And rather than being like, Hmm, like, wow. Like a, a lot of this economic impact is like trips and travel and like flights and gas and, and those kinds of things. And it's not necessarily how much we spent at REI last year. Right. If I can get people to like think about things for you know another two minutes to be like oh well, that's that's kind of interesting maybe next time something like this comes up I'll be like I'll have like uh, another couple seconds to to consider what the implications are then for me I've succeeded it is a consistent problem in the discourse in the industry that 100%. this level of analysis does not happen very often by 
the outlets with the most reach. Well, and I think that's where, and number one, like that, that's the exact same reason I started this show, even the more lighter topics, like, you know, I, like I did a thing on e-mountain biking yesterday and some of that was tongue in cheek. Some of that was just me venting frustrations. And some of that is because if you've, I haven't seen any of these opinions stated by anybody else. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to put my opinion out there too. And I think so it, it, even on the more lighter side, kind of the same uh, premise of why, like you started your newsletter, why we started this podcast. And it's, I don't know. I think some of it is kind of it, it would the our outdoor world. I think has been made to almost feel small because it's sort of like oh, it's adventure sports. Not everyone goes and does this stuff. But if nothing else, this report proves that no going outside is big business. It has major impact, and it crosses. Even if we're number six on the list, we're on the list. You know, like it's like we have this reach. It is important. So how we cover it, like why we do the way just to kind of sit back and be like, well, here's another article about, you know, I'm going to write 2000 words on this, you know, Ohio trail runner, or you could break down the freaking report. That's going to shape the future of outdoors, which is really kind of what this could be. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I really think that it's important that like, I, I'm not digging into this report. And it's like, Oh, people are wrong. Like, no, you're just providing, the, you're providing context. It's, the, the context is important, the, like understanding like where the growth is important. And I think, like I said, like challenging your preconceived notions of what the economic drivers in the industry are, because right. the industry has a tendency to be pretty judgy. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And myself included, right? Dude, like, I just yelled like, at all the mountain bikers oh, yesterday. Like, <laughs> uh, golf courses, like they just take up so much, they take up so much land and water, water yeah. and yada yada. <laughs> But like, if you look at the economic impact by state, right, uh, of the outdoor recreation industry, by the definition in this report, Florida's number two. Colorado, like the outdoorsy state, is twelve, <laughs> and a lot of that is because of things like golf, yeah. Disney World, or the, the entire city of Orlando, like amusement parks. Um, you know, all of the, the beach, which like, by the way, of... we have to get over our bias, right? Because I mean, I said this for a long time. It's not outdoor used to mean something different 20, 30 years ago. Now it's true. Like your generation probably is the start of it. My kids generation definitely is anything outside is outdoor. So don't, like you said, don't look down your nose at golf. You don't have to like I, well, golf. Well, let's let let let's clarify that. That doesn't mean we can't criticize golf. Right? Oh, I will like always we, criticize golf <laughs> and pickleball. We've criticized pickleball a lot on this podcast, and I, we'll continue I, I actually, to do so. Guilty as charged. I am. I am in on pickleball. See, I'm like, afraid to play because I think I'll, I know how much I like it if I start playing. So I'm just going to keep shitting on it until like one day I break down and actually play it and have to like take back everything, every mean thing I said about pickleball. Yeah, I I am all in. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but there's a roadmap here, right? I mean, it just, and again, just glancing through it myself, I didn't spend nearly the time on it that you did, but you look at, you know, the states that have an outdoor recreation office, right? And there's definitely mm -hmm. ones that I thought that did like California who don't. And then you can start playing the game like, well, okay, that's, is that the fifth largest economy thing? They don't think they need to. I don't know why, why they wouldn't. It just seems like that also seems like something that California. It's the I mean, it's the largest state by impact for outdoor rec. Right. Um, so maybe well. they're like, eh, we got this. But then you have Idaho who doesn't. And you see them. They're surrounded by all by states who do. And what else is there to do in Idaho except go to the rivers and mountains and stuff like that? So why wouldn't they? So is yeah. there a group in Idaho right now who's looking at it going, see, we told you so. We need to get on this. 
Oh, for sure. And I, and I think like one of the most important ways that the data is broken down here is looking at how important outdoor recreation was to each state mm-hmm. relative to their GDP. And so if you look at the overall dollar impact, you know, you get California, you get Florida, you get New York, you get Texas. Um, but if you look at the r- impact relative to GDP, you'll see Hawaii, Vermont, Montana, Wyoming, like Alaska, you know, these are all places where that impact has an oversized influence on the entire state. And I think especially for places, uh, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, Idaho is a good example. Uh, you know, the more that this data comes out is like, Hey, maybe it's not the, the biggest part of you know, the entire country, but it's got a huge influence on your state's economy. And because of that, it deserves uh, a more, whatever, personal touch, a more like a more thoughtful approach to actually managing uh, that activity with regards to conservation, tourism, strategies of promotion, uh, and, and that kind of stuff. And hopefully that that leads to more offices across the country. Yeah, I, I think the other thing, too, is you look at you know, this is where, you know, uh, you, you can get into the nitty gritty of like capitalist society and what works and what should be. It's like, well, or you can make the system work for you. Right. And and this is totally off the off the cuff. I, I don't have anything to back this up. But you look at, you know, s- states in the southeast who traditionally have been lagging behind in things like probably tourism and education and things like that, who always, you know, rank low and sort of important social metrics. Well, and then if you take this report, you pair it with, and I understand, you know, the Walmart family was involved, but it's like, you look at what's going on in Bentonville. I never, for the life of me, would have thought something in Arkansas was a place that I would want to go visit to go mountain biking, maybe something else there. So you take all of these little, like, you know, case studies, and now if you're in a community in Mississippi, Alabama, wherever, where maybe there's, you know, a need for how do we bring people in? How do we get an injection of, you know, of, of money into our economy? You know what? Build some outdoor recreation opportunities because it exists everywhere. You know, there's there's things to do everywhere. You know, I used to get angry at the old guard of the outdoor industry where it's like, oh, you know, the outdoors only happens in like six places. It's like, no, man, there is stuff everywhere if you just go seek it out. So, yeah, I'd love to see some more conversations about that. And I'm definitely going to be reaching out to uh, the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable and you know, hopefully have somebody on uh, in the future to kind of talk a little bit more about how, how this will get deployed either locally or nationally, because I think that's really what's important here. And, uh, and it's just the, look, you know, it's, it get over yourself on your biases, accept it all and understand that all of it, this is maybe the best example ever of the, the rising tide lifting all boats. Yeah. I mean, the rising tide lifting all boats, but also being more aware of how things will have to be managed as we move forward in the future, because Mm -hmm. You know, if you're thinking about conservation and climate change and our overall impact and those sorts of things, if you want to manage tourism and you might end up trying to decrease the amount of RVs on the road, which affects the top the top line of this this whole thing again. And it's not to be said that like oh, these things need to go away, but it should inform how we approach those kinds of strategies, recognizing that they have an impact, a monetary impact on jobs, on GDP, on, you know, visitation and and those sorts of things Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's a a balance to be struck between the economic impact of tourism and the outdoor recreation industry and 
conservation and, and all that stuff. So, all right, man. Well, thanks for coming on again. Uh, thanks for your hard work digging into this report. It seems like uh, one of, one of the few folks who actually did on the on the media side. So, appreciate you doing that and uh, and sharing your findings with us. Yeah, always a good time. And uh, you know, I hope it was worth it digging through all that data <laughs> and all those numbers. I think it is. I think it's. I think it's incredible. I mean, it's, there's so much interesting stuff in there, and it kind of really it tells the actual story of the thing we're constantly talking about in our daily lives. Yeah, I think that I think that sums it up well. All right, all right, man. We'll see you next week. See ya. All right, that's our show for today. Did you enjoy this episode of The Rock Fight? If so, or even if you didn't, please click follow wherever you are listening and leave a five-star review. And if you're feeling extra generous, drop a quick comment. Thank you so much for even considering doing any of that. Big thanks to Kyle Frost for again coming on The Rock Fight. Kyle is one of the most unique voices in outdoor media, and you can head over to hereandthere.club to subscribe to his newsletter. The Rock Fight is a production of Rock Fight LLC. I'm Colin True. Thanks for listening and here to take us out. Krista makes from Less Than Jake, but the Rock Fight fight song will see you next time. Rock fight.